Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well, although I just professed my back was quite sore for some reason all of a sudden here, so I don't and, know if... And that you're very chilly. This is an excellent episode for you today, I kind guess. of all about uh, aging as, as an athlete, growing as an athlete, uh, changing as a human, so lots, lots we can learn from this episode. You know, I have to say, though, before we get into it, this is like the first week in the new year where I've really felt like we're just kind of back to business. How about you? Does back to business mean that I don't feel like I'm drowning or, or what do you what yeah. do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I'm thinking of it more for training, but also, I guess, work as well. There's always that first week of the new year that's kind of a weird, like, gray zone of like, you're back from the holidays, you're maybe excited about a couple things going on, the, you know, new year, new you kind of stuff, but you're not really in a groove yet. And I feel like this week was the first time I feel like I'm a little bit back in the groove. I've actually done all of my training instead of having to shift stuff around. You know, we, we haven't actually been traveling. Like, yeah, things are things are feeling just back to routine. And I think that's that's always really important. Okay, well, I wish that for everyone. I hope New Year's resolutions or, or just seasonal goals are going well. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, if you uh, have started looking at your training and racing and everything and started realizing, you know, for, for Canadians, for example, Paris to Ancaster, not that far away at this point, right? Yeah, and we'll actually have that plans due to come out this week, too. We're, you were leading in, segueing into talking about the three-month plans, which are a great idea this time of year once you've, you know, sort of picked the goals. I know a lot of uh, past clients have reached out with the three-month plans and saying, you know, I'm doing something like Paris to Ancaster, I'm doing uh, Pisgah Stage Race, or, you know, all these ones are starting to roll into this, you know, roughly three months out. Or even six months out. So you're thinking about a three-month plan to get you kind of started heading sure, into that Sure, goal. and that's really the flexibility with these three-month plans. You know, where are you now? We look at, you know, all the schedules, the vacations on the, you know, do you like to train on Sundays or Mondays or what day do you train on? And then we build this plan, you know, from point A to point B, or, or as you say, sort of point, you know, the middle point. Between, a to A minus. You know, uh, and you can stack the plans. I often, you know, I have a few clients who are probably 10 years into getting, you know, two, three, four of these a year, depending on, you know, how much they're pushing in a year. So it's a great flexible option, the uh, three month made for you plan. Yeah, I really like that. So you can find that just over in the show notes or just head to consummateathlete.com. Uh, and then, yeah, so today's episode, it's something a little bit different for us. So uh, bear with us as we put this one together. We've done uh, a few of these amalgamation ones, but yeah, yeah, we have to edit some stuff. We so. don't do them that often because, <laughs> frankly, they are a crap load of work. But yeah, uh, kudos to uh, what is that like uh, NPR? Yeah, yeah, this kudos is... to NPR for doing all of their editing and shows. It's really hard work. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're trying it. We're giving it a shot uh, because, frankly, we had... Four just really smart interviews we've done in recent months, and we we really wanted to kind of bring just some of these really good bits and pieces from each of them because we keep talking about this like aging as athletes and as we're getting older and you know where are we in life and sport and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we just had Stacey Sims on talking about some menopause stuff, and that one got a 
ton of feedback and people really loved that episode. So yeah, we wanted to kind of bring together some thoughts about training and kind of prepping for as we get older, well, even we, if you aren't old yet. We have four coaches, you know, of different uh, fame, I guess. But I think, you know, sometimes these coaches or even just people, you know, athletes, you don't hear about some, you know, they're, they're too busy doing work, you know, boots on the ground sometimes. Uh, so some of these snippets we've taken are from conversations I've had with some of these coaches, people we've really liked for many, many years here, uh, in a few cases that we've just met. Uh, but uh, there's just a couple of really good nuggets there that we wanted to share sort of in this nice, you know, podcast that we've, we've designed around more of this aging athlete sort of topic. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about our first one? We have the mountain bike geezer. Yeah, self-proclaimed. I always say I'm not being offensive or anything, but this is Griff Wiggly. Uh, and Griff and I have met each other virtually through the Ryan Leach Connection, or RLC, uh, which is an online skills coaching uh, membership group. So if you want to learn how to do a wheelie or get better at jumping yeah. or going over drops, stuff like that. Uh, it's actually a really awesome online community and tons of and, and video organized, tutorials. Right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, as Molly says, you could learn to wheelie in 30 days as the one course, uh, or at least get better at wheeling. Uh, and, and it's pretty awesome how good people can get. Uh, and I think the difference versus, say, looking up how to wheelie on YouTube is that it's stepwise. You know, there's different lessons, different days. Uh, and then you can also submit a video to coaches like Griff, like Ryan Leach, Trials Legend, uh, or I guess myself. Uh, and, and you can get feedback based on, you know, the environment you're training in, how you're approaching it, you know, what, what maybe lesson you should go back to or, or jump ahead to, uh, depending on where you're at. So that's how I met Griff, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking actually just about sort of, be, you know, aging as an athlete uh, and his, he has a new newsletter uh, around mountainbikepracticelab.com. He's doing this on Substack. Um, and it's just about learning and sort of learning generally, but then also applied to his mountain bike skills practice. Uh, so you can check that out if you're, you're interested to know a little bit about more, a little bit more about Griff. Um, but I guess, do you want to get into it and hear what he has to say? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get into Griff's and we'll be back in a sec to tell you about the other coaches. Yeah. So I just learned about this from a guy named Noah Kajiyama. He's a um, Juilliard music professor that has taken kind of what he learned about motor skills from the world of sports and is applying it to music. And um, so he he cooked up this or came across this uh, article about surgeons and um, how they were how a training program was training uh, medical uh, surgeons to uh, tie knots. And they found that uh, a proficiency-based goal for, say, a day or a half a day or whatever, instead of just saying, all right, everybody tie five knots, and then we're going to move on to the next thing, or everybody practice knot tying for the next half hour, and then we're going to move on. It was, no, see if you can do a perfect knot three times in a row or something like that. So when I read that article, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. So in because I had already been doing 10 attempts at a high manual and then take a break, do something else, practice my fakies or whatever, and then come back and do another 10 attempts. So I was already doing that spacing and I was experimenting a little bit with gamification, which is, um, you know, basically saying, you know, all right, 
how many out of 10 can I do today? You know, oh, I did, I did four decent attempts out of 10. Let's see if I can come back, you know, in two weeks and do six out of 10 or whatever. So kind of okay. making a game of it. So proficiency so just, breaks. Just to go in on that number, just so we have the specifics. So first time out, you've never done high manuals. Would you just say like today, I'm just trying to get one? Um, you know, is that the proficiency you'd be looking for in session no, number it, one? No, it's really once you have a skill, once you once you kind of like, okay, I know how to do a manu high manual. I've done them a few times, but now I want to get consistent at it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so like so you say, you set the bar just by chance, you know, in your second or third or fourth yeah. or tenth, tenth session, you you yeah. notice yeah, you have to, tracked. You have for, to you have to know the 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 basic move. Hmm. I like so, that. I like that. Sometimes, you know, it, I guess it, it's, it, I guess it is different than repetitions. I'm just going to do a hundred tries at a log hop. You're saying I want to stomp this log hop three times in a row or four times in a row. And is it just one time in the session that you have to do it? No. So it's, it's kind of interesting as we, as I started playing with this and with a few other people, it it's whatever block of time you have, you would say, all right, so I got a half hour today, practice my 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 high manuals or my log three quarter pedal stroke over a log. Um, so I want it out of ten tries. I'm gonna. Well, I really want to get four, four decent ones. So you you do ten and you only got two. So you take a break, come back. All right, here's another chance. See if I can get four out of this set of ten. I only got three shoot, I got to go. So you go home, come back another day and say, all right, I'm going to see if I can get four today. And I, you know, reviewed, you know, warmed up and said, here I go. Oh, darn, I only got three. Got to go home. So you just, and, and you, you have this sort of mental uh, Goldilocks detector. It's like, is this too easy? Is this too hard? If Because it's the other, the other day I did 10 high, high manuals in a row. And I went just like, Wow, that's pretty good. And um, but my next set, you know, I only got five out of the ten. So you adjust that goal to keep your brain really engaged. And that's kind of the, the main idea is like if you're trying to hit a proficiency-based goal, you're much more likely to stay focused and keep doing something that's just hard enough to keep you paying close attention to what you're doing. As soon as you shift to repetitions or time, it's really easy for your brain to start wandering. Mm. And and that's the enemy of learning. You always want to be on that edge of just hard enough and focusing on a specific element of, of that move. And your, your, um, your whole neural system will pay more attention if you know okay, I only got two and I'm trying to hit four. And here I, here's my sixth attempt. Got to get two more. I got to get two more. Yeah. So it's just a way of organizing your brain's attention on something that's just difficult enough. And that tends to drive a more effective practice session. All right. So next up, we have legendary 
uh, mountain bike endurance coach, Linda Wallenfels, uh, actually kind of all cycling coach, Linda Wallenfels. Um, she, I mean, Peter's been telling me about Linda for years now. Anytime I've said, I've bemoaned the lack of women who've been in the coaching game for a really long time. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little bit trickier to find women who've been coaching for a lot of years. We often joke because women are, are smarter and just realize that the numbers often don't add up super well for coaching, but uh, Linda has been doing it for a really long time. So long, in fact, that her her story, as I was chatting with her, started with her, you know, training with Joe Friel, also a legendary coach, back when Joe was faxing out training plans, which is possibly my favorite method for getting training plans. And I would actually prefer if my coach would only fax me training plans from mm-hmm. now on. It'd be a good side-by-side comparison, wouldn't it? Yeah, seriously. Uh, so she's just been in the game for so, so long. She's worked with so many people along the way and just had such a great uh, great way of looking at the, the aging and adventuring process. And I, I love that you know, she hasn't just stayed riding one type of bike or doing one type of thing. Uh, actually, when we got on the phone, she had just come back from like a really long hiking trip. She was doing home renos, like just so much other stuff going on, but also just experimenting with all different kinds of racing. And I kept trying to kind of edge her to say like, oh, you know, as we get older, we like maybe don't need to race as much or like maybe we should do a different kind of racing. And she just kept being like, no, you, you should do whatever racing feels like an exciting kind of racing to do at whatever age you're at which I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't actually know, Linda. I, I actually missed this episode. I was really sad. I had hoped to be on it, um, but I missed it. But a lot of her writing I've really enjoyed over the years. I've saved a couple posts. We've linked to a few posts from some of our posts. And usually it's around this recovery from big events, uh, especially as we get older. So this this blurb, this, this snippet that we have, uh, from Molly and, and Linda talking is, is indeed about this sort of, you know, aging, you know, what's our 40s, you know, what do we have to think about if we're into our 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, and, and going long intensity, uh, dosing the stuff, dosing the long stuff, these long adventures. And, and that's, I think, where I've really taken the most from Linda and, and reading her writing is this idea that like you can do it, but if you do it all the time, that's, you know, that's where we get into trouble. And so it's, you know, how much recovery from big events. I think that's the post maybe name that uh, yeah of the, of the, <laughs> and we'll we'll link to that one in the show notes we will yeah yeah so uh i think without further ado let's hear from linda and i think if if we like this we we have a whole episode and i think we'll actually get that whole episode out too or at least have her back so definitely um, yeah, so i can speak to her at least <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> all right let's get into this clip with linda enjoy yeah but i'm not convinced that that's because they're getting older i'm convinced because it's a been there done that Mm because most people start out with the shorter faster stuff and then they're like okay what's bigger what's next and Mm -hmm. that's kind of the progression of a lot of people yeah yeah that makes sense now do you think it's like necessarily a, a good idea to focus on the the ultra endurance stuff as as we get older or would we actually be better served maybe not mentally but like physically doing more of like the shorter harder stuff or is the longer stuff better for us well i think what's better for us is what makes us happy and fires us up and get us there's nothing better than an obsession where you're focused on something that makes learning easier training easier everything's easier if you're super stoked about it Mm -hmm. but as far as 
the aging physiology, you can definitely do big, long stuff, but you have to dose it appropriately. You can't do the triple crown and then think you're going to stay healthy. Ooh, yes. Okay, so I think that's actually a, a huge thing that, that gets missed, the the staying healthy piece, right? I think like there's there's performance and then there's health. Do you find like as you're coaching like masters athletes, you're kind of having more of that conversation of like, okay, we can do this, but there's going to be some, some trade-offs, right? Yeah, exactly. At our age, well, I'm 52 now, so I'm past the 40 decade. <laughs> doing a lot of experiential learning every decade they go through. And um, yeah, um, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. So how do you kind of work with athletes to sort of mitigate the the health risk, I guess, of, of tackling these big events? Um, so we pace the events appropriately, space them out appropriately. And um, you really have to periodize your year. I know there's a lot of emphasis on strength training for mm-hmm. masters athletes. So you got to figure out where you're going to fit that in your year to build your muscle back up because these big events are definitely you come off that weaker and with less muscle mass. So you have to pay that back. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then health is number one. Uh, most athletes, if they're lifelong athletes, by the time they get into the 40s, they're looking at these people that are still racing in their 60s and 70s and being inspired. So most of our af- masters plus racers are now looking at longevity. How can I expand my health span and my lifespan for as many years as possible because they want to keep doing it. So health is number one. You've got to have good nutrition, good sleep habits, good recovery habits. There's no more partying all night and then thinking you're going to have a ride, a good ride the next day. We just don't have the capacity for that anymore. Our weekly energy budget is considerably smaller. Ooh, I love that energy budget. That's, and I mean, in like the 40s and 50s and even 60s, like that's where you're also starting to have a lot of other stuff coming at you, right? Like 40s, you might still have young kids, you might have teenagers. 50s, you know, you're, you're still, you're still working. There's still a lot of demands on your life. So that's, that's all part of that energy budget, right? Yeah, I'm finding well, a lot more variety too, especially when you get into the 50s. I have athletes that they retired when they were 48 or 50, so they they can design their life almost how they like. They had kids early, they worked hard early, and now they're free. And then vice versa, the people that played hard in their 20s and then started working in their 30s <laughs> there and having kids in their late 30s. So there's a lot of people in different stages in the 40s, 50s, 60s decades. That is a really good point. So even, you know, when you're out on like a group ride with your your buddies, even if they're the same age, they might basically be in a totally different place in life, despite the fact that physiologically you're the same age. There could be huge differences in how much time you have to train and just like where your body's at. Yeah, and how much time you have to cook good food mm-hmm. and get your eight hours of sleep and do your strength training. Uh, and if you're doing everything, eating properly, sleeping properly, doing your strength training, your core training, your riding, 
it's a lot of time and a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I actually love what you said there about the you do the ultra race and you come out of it weaker. And, and that to me is so funny because I think like we have this vision of ourselves like doing these 100 milers or 200 milers or whatever. And like, I'm the fittest I've ever been in my entire life. And then kind of forgetting that like after those, you are just you're annihilated and the older we get the longer the recovery process takes right yeah i was more talking about like arizona trail 300 colorado trail which is 500 and those really big ones those are the ones you come out weaker Mm -hmm. you think 100 milers you can recover from them in a couple of weeks and come out stronger for me even like thinking about the couple weeks is uh is tough. I did my first 100 mile trail run uh, back in February and I was appalled that it took me like two weeks to get back to running. I, I just like couldn't believe that I was just sitting on a couch for that long. But that's that's what my body needed as it turned out. <laughs> well, running 100 miles is a whole lot different than riding your bike 100 miles. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's bad when you start to you start like kind of thinking about like your average miles per day. So like, the day after the 100, you're like, all right, this is amazing. I did like a 120-mile week. This is great. But then two weeks after, you're like, my average for the past like three weeks is now down to like, I've only run like two miles a day if I average it out. And it's <laughs> suddenly you feel a lot less, a lot less good about it. <laughs> That's actually one of the ways I talk my master's athletes into racing less is they're riding, they have power meters, we can track their TSS, their training stress score mm-hmm. per day, and look at their CPL or chronic training load using the performance manager chart. And we can see how where you're spending fitness and you come off with a lower CPL where you're building fitness. And you can see races definitely spend fitness. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that. Okay, so for you, coming from the Joe Friel faxing you the the training plan to today where you can see all of these training scores and the power meter, um, which are like the best things that have gotten added for being able to like see how people are doing with their training and which, are there any that you're just like, ah, oh, geez, this is too much information because I feel like we, we kind of are now in like a data overload uh, state with training. <laughs> Yeah, so everything's fantastic as long as it's a tool that you use to progress your fitness. If you're only running on the numbers and you stop listening to your body, because if you're having a divorce or you're moving house or, you know, any major stressor, that'll take energy away too that's not reflected in the training stress score and your CTL. Mm -hmm. So I find some people are too reliant on the numbers. And I have some athletes that have all the power meters and I send them out for a ride without any power numbers and they get mad at me. How, <laughs> how do I know how to pace? And I'm like, you have to listen to your body. And mm-hmm. uh, but also when we travel to races, things get damaged. Like that's the time where power meters don't work. And if you're at the start line and your power meter's not working, uh, you have to know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I always say it feels like we've sort of outsourced how we feel where now we just kind of rely on like an app to tell us how we're feeling in the morning and we just kind of believe it. <laughs> I'm like, that seems really silly that I'm not like checking in with myself. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had parameters for quite a while, but the new thing that's come along in the last number of years is the watches and the fitness trackers like the Whoop yep. and the Phoenix Garmin's, the track your body battery and the Apple watches, all these things where you wake up in the morning and it can tell you, oh, you're feeling great or you're yeah. feeling not so great. And these aren't always accurate. So I think they're good if you use them if you wake up and you don't feel great and then you look at your watch and it confirms that your numbers are poor, I think is an additional tool. Everything, every single thing is amazing, but you still got to listen to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's the, there's some like intangibles that you're not going to be able to measure in, you know, a power meter isn't going to pick them up like mountain bike technical skill stuff. Um, so one of the big questions I actually wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, for riders, 50s, 60s, even 70s, it's, it's a little scary to kind of be practicing mountain bike skills if you didn't have mountain bike skills. Uh, so any tips for riders that are getting older that still want to, like, get better on the mountain bike, but, you know, haven't, like, aren't, aren't really, like, longtime mountain bikers? Yeah, absolutely. Lots of tips. So this goes back to the art of learning, which I'm absolutely fascinated by. And so you have the the circle of learning where you're learning and you have the circle of fear and these don't overlap. If fear overlaps on your learning, then learning stops immediately. So you have to put yourself in a good learning environment. So things that scare you, you shouldn't be doing. You should be doing smaller things and taking more gradual steps and as we get older, it's harder to recover from a broken bone or a torn muscle. It just takes so much longer to heal your body. So there's a large fear there that you're going to be benched if you, it's not the pain. It's not actually the breaking thing that most people fear. It's the six months of sitting on the sofa, not being able to go out and ride. So, um, Get a skills instructor. That's a really, that's a great way to fast track your skills is have someone actually teach you how to do things and make sure that you have an instructor that's not just going to ask you to send it, that is going to tell you, okay, this is where your weight needs to be and, you know, do everything in small steps. Pre-writing courses is really key for masters too, so they're not surprised by any big technical sections. They have time to see the lines and practice them or make the decision that I'm going to walk this section in the race. All right. Hopefully that last clip from Linda gave you some food for thought. I know even, you know, I'm not even in my 40s yet, but it it definitely has me thinking about how I want to structure my next few years and sort of head into the 40s and certainly beyond. Well, certainly thinking about structuring the year, I think that's, you know, a big takeaway is definitely that you know, we could call it periodization or just planning it out uh, and just sort of committing to those things or calling your shot if you've been saying Mm -hmm. um, race if you're going to race is the one I like. Yep. Yep. All right. So this next coach, we are both very excited to to have on this episode. Uh, Chris Mayhew has been a good friend of ours for, oh gosh, years and years. I think I've known Chris for 15 years now. 
one of the most lovely humans I've ever Super met. Super nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he introduced us to bourbon, I think, as well. Has made me many an espresso over the years, yeah. which I have deeply appreciated one of those guys, each and every time. We've been at races and he shows up with treats and coffees and yeah, just super super nice and a great coach and you may have read in cyclocross magazine right was that yep he yeah, had a column yeah. in cyclocross magazine for uh, many years and just again if you want to go back and look through articles and just learn about racing period but also just cyclocross specifically uh i think you could read those articles and and there's probably a book there i was actually just gonna say that yeah, yeah. he really should put these into a book because yeah. they're all fantastic Steal them back. and i don't just say that because i edited <laughs> some of them back during my tenure at cyclocross right. magazine they are lovely uh yeah and Chris, you know, ran a local cyclocross program in Pittsburgh for a while. We've done talks at shops in Pittsburgh that Chris has put together. So just one of... And then also, I think as a cyclist, he was brave enough to step away a little bit from cycling and, and get into this, you know, strength training CrossFit world. And, and that's, I think, my favorite part about watching him on Instagram. We'll link to his Instagram and we'll link uh, to his coaching page with JBV Coaching. Uh, has been to watch his experiment of getting into CrossFit, finding community, finding confidence, uh, and still racing, you know, here and there and mm -hmm. riding lots, uh, you know, despite or, or because of this this cross training or this crossfitting or this strength training so yeah I think no he's one of the coaches i go to when i need to do some kind of crossover between cycling and strength which happens pretty frequently in training articles and chris is always my my go-to for you know how do we do a pull-up how do we do a push-up all that kind of stuff so chris and i had a big long conversation and you know we can't repeat all of it but uh i wanted to share a little bit of it because again he's he's a coach that has so much wisdom and experience um, and a couple really good stories. So we'll share a bit of that with you now. I have a good story about that, but we'll, we'll try and keep it a little bit in line. Anyways, maybe we can swing back to skin suits. But so I got away from it for a really long time. And then whew, I am really not great at listening to my body. That's been like my kind of thing that I focused on the maybe last five, six, seven years. Um, but I can really remember, you know, I was having trouble. My knees were always on fire and, uh, yeah, my knees just never felt all that great. My back was a little dodgy, but I was like, I don't know. I don't, it only affects me off the bike. So what does it matter? Um, but I can really remember like a distinct month in 2017, maybe 16 doing like going down to my like place where I do threshold intervals and like doing them at one wattage one day. And like literally the next week, like 20, 20 watt drop, you know, like a 10% drop. And they just kept like, getting worse and worse um and i didn't really realize that at the time but it was just like the last gasp of like my entire posterior chain failing you know um yeah it was just everything failing so like my quads were just like not working at that point and so you know you're losing a bunch of a huge amount of power generation never mind that it like hurt to pedal at that point i've only done one sport my entire life and it just and i'm, I'm not getting younger so it was just like the beginning of like you can't coast. Yeah, I mean, you want to do what your friends are doing. And we're wired as humans, we're wired for community, which is actually uh, one of the genius things about CrossFit. Like it, it specifically builds in community and it's about community. Um, it's, uh, I think cycling has really, really struggled with community and being friendly and being open. And I think there's some very defensible reasons for that and some very undefensible reasons. 
I'm certainly a more functional human for sure. Um, it's really great. Like just this, um, I kind of had a rough year physically last year, but like I'm back on track. It's really great. Um, and it was so cool to like, it wasn't a PR, but like set up, you know, 98% of my PR weight, uh, on a back squat on Friday and then go for a mountain bike ride on Saturday. Uh, and then I did a road ride on Sunday. Like that's a pretty complete for me. That's a pretty complete life. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so I enjoy being able to do that. I feel a lot better. I'm much more in touch with my body and, and able to like catch stuff before it gets bad. Like notice like a, like a, a stage one thing where you're like, Hey, maybe I should just do some cat cows tonight. And yeah. And that's going to go away versus like, ah, I can't sit. This is not fun. Um, yeah. I feel like a more complete human. Um, I'm able to just live my life a little bit more. And if, if you need me to help you move a stove, I'm, I'm pretty handy at that, which was not a thing, you know, before. Well, to quote, uh, uh, Kristen Keim, for instance, like people underestimate what they can do in five years and overestimate what they can do in one year. Um, and I think weightlifting's like that. We're like, people want to like kind of go bananas in one year. And it's like, no, no, no. Like how good can you get at bikes in five years? You know? Um, yeah. Strength training is, is, is pretty great about just like, man, just show up. It's not, every day is not going to be your best day or a new PR, but like, Okay, so before we get into our last one, just one more quick word from a sponsor. Today, we are presented by Payable, which is an add-on you can use in, the, you can find it in the Google workspace. And it's, its big thing is that it makes a checkout page for Google Forms. So if you're, you know, a small business, if you're a teacher trying to collect money, if you're just trying to collect money from a few friends for a barbecue you're doing, or if you're on a team for a big race, like we just did the 24 hours Mont Tremblant. And, you know, we had eight people on one team. And if we'd wanted to do team t-shirts or a team like grocery thing, instead of having to, you know, bug everyone via email for how much they owed or whatever, or figure out everybody's t-shirt size, you could just do a form, everybody pays, so easy, kind of avoids that awkward step of telling people to give you money. That's right. And, and I mean, they really ma do a great job of, of letting you collect money and information without having to use any new tools or websites or logins. It's, you know, we're all using Google Forms or Google something. Um, and and then, you know, you ha you can just use PayPal or, or any of these different payment methods, your choice, uh, and they connect them. And so it, it's a really, really smooth uh, solution for, especially for smaller businesses or individuals who are just trying to do, you know, as Molly says, a one jersey order or one, uh, you know, race day or, or a little tiny event of some type yeah we've used it for our jersey order our local mountain bike club uses it for both registrations and for their their social night because there aren't subscription fees you don't have to mess with a whole new platform it's just yeah super super easy so if you have any reason that you're trying to collect info and cash you can check it out over at payableapps.com so yeah Check it out. Start a form. Let us know what you think. Share the share the form. Heck, if you're you're doing donations for your nonprofit, if you're doing some cool T-shirts, definitely let us know about it. All right. And with that said, let's get into our final piece of coaching wisdom for the day. We have Dan John back on the podcast. Dan John is, I mean, legendary strength coach. Um, yeah. How would you even describe it? Other I think than that's legendary. how they usually yeah. describe him. Yeah. Uh, so writer, he's got many, many books. He just had his, uh, easy, e strength. E easy strength. Omni book came out. Uh, yeah, just 
he's great. He's been on our podcast maybe two times. I think twice, yeah. So this we'll call this number three. We had him in an interview. You were doing a couple articles around aging uh, and sort of thinking about the decades. And Dan John's very good at sort of discussing, you know, different challenges for different people at different sports or different parts of their life. You know, when we're dealing with having kids or we're de- dealing with, uh, you know, having too many jobs or, or, you know, aging. So we are using a snippet here where he's really just talking about, you know, being prepared, uh, making sure that we have, you know, things in place, um, you know, really everything but training, which we really love, right? And really where our philosophies overlap is this idea of, you know, it, it, we can, we're, he's a strength coach, but we're, we're, you know, it's all the other stuff that makes the strength training possible and the adaptation possible mm-hmm. and, and the consistency possible. Yeah, I really enjoy it. He still has not told me where to get this emergency backpack that he swears is $20, but we're working on that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I love his, you know, from emergency preparedness to just getting your laundry done and having that ready. I think just it, it makes you think about being a whole body, whole human athlete in addition to just getting those training hours in. So without further ado, let's hear from Dan John. So really, for me, when we talk about this kind of thing, to me, this is just what a, a um, is the power going to go out in, you know, Murray, Utah sometime in the next 10 years? Yeah, it, it is some, you know, last year in the middle of a really hard time for me, uh, we had a massive windstorm and we had, uh, I had, I lost a tree and then I had a massive branch hit my deck and, you know, do tons of damage. So we kind of had the perforated home for a little bit okay is that is something bad going to happen to you in the next 10 or 15 years yeah maybe i mean every time i get new tires i always get get a new battery and i get new tires about every three years and get and the guy when i say give me a new battery always goes this battery might be good for another year and i'm like so 79 dollars today or i go to my car and I'm, I'm 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 late for a wedding where I'm the best man, is it worth it? <laughs> so most of the stuff I'm trying to tell you is simply this. It is one of my biggest axioms in life. Be proactive, not reactive. To me, it's so simple. Like I know people who tell me, Dan, I'm going to start I'm on this new diet. Okay, what do you do? Well, for breakfast, I, I, I'm going to eat three eggs and I'm going to have oatmeal. That's ah, great. So what did you do? I went to the store and I bought a dozen eggs. And I'll lean in and kind of go, so how long do you do this diet? Well, for, you know, for, for the rest of my life. Well, good. Then you'll need more than a dozen eggs because in four days you'll have no eggs, which means you have to go back to the store. And if you forget on day five, you're not on your magic, magic diet anymore. So being proactive sometimes means do you have a shopping list? Uh, I have a cleaning list. Um, you know, for example, this is, and, and if you read my books, you'll know that it's funny how many people know what day I'm doing my white laundry, because Monday is white laundry day, and Tuesday is dark laundry day, and Wednesday is the day I clean the bathroom. In fact, I I already have the green stuff in there already to be wiped down. And the idea is, if you do, if you do white laundry on Monday, you're, when you, like, there's my basket right there. If I see the basket and it's over, not overflowing, but, you know, nobody had a diarrhea attack at night. No one vomited. It's just smelly towel and some smelly sheets. 
I my brain goes, that's a Monday thing. So I see a loaded uh, white laundry basket. My brain just goes, Monday thing. So if you're going to do a special diet, you need a menu for it. And then you need a shopping list for the menu. If you're going to do a program, a, a weightlifting program, what's the very first question I ask on the way, uh, on the workout generator? What equipment do you have? All right. So that is a wrap on our pieces of coaching wisdom from four just really inspirational coaches who we really look up to. Uh, you know, I think for me, I'd say I've been very nervous about the idea of aging. Obviously, we're, we're sort of hitting that that point in life where, you know, the future is is looming. It's not like when you're 20 and you just kind of assume that you're 20 forever. Uh, now we can very clearly see the, the years going by. But I think uh, all four of these coaches kind of gave me a, a much better perspective on aging and a, a much more excited look at it, I think, uh, where, you know, a lot is a lot is still possible and still fun and there's still plenty of space for adventure and all that so yeah i think this this episode made me feel pretty good about this okay i would say my takeaways were strengths and skills keep working on the strength do what you can you know there'll be injuries that sort of stuff but you know stay on the strength training and then skills i think you know from griff you know dan john's big on skills uh you know it's I think just something that you can keep enjoying and keep progressing in different, all sorts of different directions. You're never done. Uh, probably in both cases, right? Really strength and skills. You're never done. So strength and skills. All right. With that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, definitely leave us a rating, review, comment on Instagram, wherever. Uh, let us know. We can always do more of these episodes. Uh, yeah. Hit us up with any questions, comments, concerns, etc. at Consummate Athlete on Instagram or just consummateathlete.com. You can grab the show notes there as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 